All right. Well, welcome. <clears throat> Thank you for joining us for our webinar entitled Correctional Families Confronting COVID-19. COVID We're delighted to have you with us today. And um, we'll be talking about family members dealing with the stress of having this new virus on the scene. And um, we have had a prior webinar on the 30th of May uh, that addressed staff's concerns and what they could be doing in dealing with the stressors of COVID-19. And today we're going to be talking about family members. So um, let's introduce our team, first of all. And go ahead, guys, introduce yourselves. I'm Brent Parker, uh, training manager for Desert Waters. Hi, I'm Jean Delosier. I am one of the uh, master instructors uh, with Desert Waters. I've worked in corrections for about 17 years. And I'm Jeff Rood. I have been with Desert Waters since about 2015, and I still also currently work for the Department of Corrections in my state. And I'm going to celebrate 25 years here in exactly two months. Oh, wow. All right. Very impressive. And I'm Katerina Spinaris. I'm the founding uh, director of Desert Waters Correctional Outreach, and um, have been talking to correction staff and dealing with correction staff and training uh, since the uh, year 2000 and full-time through Desert Waters um, since the year 2003. And just to introduce the organization to you, Desert Waters Correctional Outreach is a 501c3 a tax exempt corporation, a nonprofit. And our mission is the well-being of correction staff and their families. And we achieve our mission through um, having uh, trainings that are on mental health and wellness and having um, educational materials like booklets and posters and having uh, doing research, original research. We were the first to study post-traumatic stress disorder in the corrections ranks and the prevalence of it, the percentage of people who met criteria for the disorder and other topics. And we also um, reach out through services like um, our vent line, which is like a support line for staff and families. And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. So today we're going to be addressing uh, the objectives of um, presenting ways to support, for you to support your loved ones who work in corrections, and also your children, if you have any, living with you, and ways to manage anxiety and then also ways to care for yourself, which we want to underline and highlight and say it's not selfish to care for yourself. It is definitely needed, and we will be focusing on that towards the end of our presentation. It's last but not least by any stretch. So let's get rolling here. And um, just to let you know, in summary, we... Um, presented the webinar, like I said, on the 30th of March on staff dealing with the issues of COVID-19. And just as a summary, in a nutshell, this training was about ways to make life feel more predictable, like relying on routine and structure and uh, making the challenges of the COVID-19 more manageable through reframing things, like looking at them and thinking of them in a different way and accepting what we cannot change, 
and chunking, like breaking things down, tasks, to-dos in chunks, as opposed to trying to do it all at once and thinking about the enormity of what you have to do, about changes and whatever it might be, and kind of feeling overwhelmed. So that chunking makes things more manageable, one bite at a time, so to speak. And then um, we talked about making emotional distress more tolerable so we can handle it better, we can get through it better. And to do that through self-calming activities of different kinds, positive activities, and feeling intense emotions in doses, like in, 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 in a smaller amounts that we can handle, so we don't feel overwhelmed by those emotions, like fear or sadness or anger, whatever it might be. And those three goals of making life more predictable, more tolerable, and more manageable uh, are based on material presented by Dr. Bruce Perry, and you can see more of his stuff at neurosequential.com, uh, the COVID-19 resources section. And I would encourage you to get on our YouTube um, channel, Desaporos Correctional Outreach, or Spotify, and get the view or listen to the staff um, webinar. I think you'll get good good things out of it. So here's from the home front. I have a quote by a spouse of a correctional worker. In fact, he's on the webinar here at Jeffrey. So uh, Christine said, and thanks Christine for contributing this, I say my prayers every day for my husband who goes to work where there are offenders that are COVID-19 positive. So I'm a bit stressed. And I'm thinking, yeah, I can imagine that. I can imagine why. So um, so that is the, the place of a lot of you guys. So Jeff, I'll turn it over to you now. All right. So some of the things that to look at and to look for in the spouse or child who works in the correctional environment during this time, you know, just kind of look back since the beginning of this, oh, the whole situation and, you know, have you noticed maybe an increase in their impatience? You know, maybe they're just uh, a little more driven and a little more, um, just need something done right now, right this minute, and, you know, have lost a little bit of that patience, you know, maybe some increase in irritability, you know, maybe they're a little bit snappy and, you know, when they weren't before, you know, and so these are just, as we go through these, they're just signs of, of increased stress, you know, maybe some increased hostility. We hope and pray that this isn't the case, but sometimes it does happen when, you know, we're encountering this unknown and, we're going through this, sometimes we, we do get that, we get angry about it. And unfortunately, we, we tend to take that out on the ones closest to us, which is our families. Um, sometimes, you know, withdrawal. We just pull back into ourselves and we, and we tend to isolate and pull away thinking that's the best thing to do. You know, so as if, have you noticed an increase in that? Um, maybe they've expressed it more worry than they normally do just more concern over the, the whole situation and how it's affecting them, their work and their home. Um, maybe their mood is just a little more down, you know, mm -hmm. maybe bordering on that depression point of things, you know, just kind of things to keep an eye on. Also increased fatigue. Obviously, you know, your spouse works in a correctional institution, 
they're probably really fatigued right now because they're having to do a lot of extra hours and a lot of extra work. So we get that piece. But, you know, just in general, even on the weekends, maybe they're just that sense of fatigue, just not wanting to do anything. And then, you know, how do we cope? Sometimes we turn to that alcohol. Sometimes we turn to food. We, we, we crave those comfort foods because our brain is saying, I need something that fits, you know, or maybe that tobacco or, you know, any other consumption that we do. So if you've noticed an increase in these things, you know, just kind of things to pay attention for and to, you know, start to intercede in some of these things. So as we go through, you know, just looking at some of the new challenges that your spouse is, is going through right now based upon COVID. I mean, it's a serious new enemy. It's something unprecedented in our time. We've never had an outbreak like this. We've never had an enemy like this. We know what to expect when we go into prisons every day. But this is something new. It's unseen. It, we just don't know what it's going to do next. It's global. It's It's far reaching. It's all over the world. And it's just hitting everyone in stride. And, and like I said, it's something that you can't touch. You can't see it. You can't feel it. It's just there. And it's that invisible enemy that we just cannot see. And you know what? Just watch the news. We see that there's the news is constantly changing about um, what COVID is and, and what are the signs and symptoms and, and all these things. And they're just discovering new stuff all the time. And honestly, right now, yeah, there's no end in sight. We just don't know when this is going to end. We want to, but we just don't. And everybody's getting tired and frustrated with this. And it's something that, you know, we're used to getting those threats and working in that threatening environment. But now we're dealing with an enemy that threatens our entire family. And that just adds to the amount of stress that, that we are experiencing. Um, sometimes it's a physical disconnection because, you know, what do they keep saying? isolate, right? Stay away from everybody. Don't hang around with anybody. So, you know, we've got people working from home that are not working with their partners and they're just stressed with that. They're not able to go see their friends and, and do the activities they used to do because we have to isolate. So there's that physical disconnection and that feeling of aloneness. Uh, the financial strain, if you're, if you as the spouse or, or a loved one is, is out of work and they're working, you know, or vice versa. I mean, that is just adds to that financial strain and we just don't know when the end is coming or when it's going to get back to some sense of normalcy. Um, new coping skills required, most definitely. You know, standard things that we normally do to take care of ourselves. You know, if you were, let's say you're a golfer, you know, well, you know what? Some types or some places where you just can't get out there and go golfing. You know, that's your coping mechanism. Now you can't do it. Um, if you used to go to the park and walk around with friends or, you know, have a barbecue, things we just can't do right now. These coping skills, we have to develop some new ones. Um, disinfection routines. Yep. If you're like me, you're a germaphobe. And being in a prison will do that to people. I'm telling you right now. And uh, I'm, I'm a clean person, but I'll tell you what, since this hit, <laughs> it's taken a whole new level. So it's kind of crazy. So. You know, if that's your spouse, if that's you, just know it's okay. It's part of the deal. Um, new work policies and procedures. Things are changing all the time with our department. We get updates daily on changes here, changes there. 
And that too is just super frustrating for those of us who work in a prison because we're, we're, we're used to linear things, you know, do this, do this, do this. And now it's do this. Oh, wait a minute. Now we're going to change it. You have to do this or no, nope, now we're going to do that. And just these constant changes are so challenging for us. And then the same old challenges we've always faced, but now kind of at a new level, the negativity with the population that we work with, the amount of overtime we're having to work. Um, if your spouse works for a department, I know my department, um, they're going through their roster for mandatory overtime, sometimes two, three times, four times a week now when it used to be maybe once or twice a month. So, I mean, just the amount of overtime. And honestly, the offender population is getting so frustrated with this and we've seen an increase in violence and I'm sure your loved ones have seen that as well. So these are just some of the things that your loved ones are going through who work inside the, the inside a prison facility right now. So some of the things that we can work on, and, and we use the term we because it's not any one person, it's not one spouse doing it for another spouse or the spouse who is at home doing it for the spouse who's working. This is something we need to work on together because we're a team. We're in this together. We need to work on it together and have more understanding for each other. You know, take that time to listen to your partner and, and really pay attention to what they're saying. Use supportive words and actions, you know, and, and exercise patience and kindness and compassion and grace. I mean, these are just words that we hear all the time, but now so much more, we desperately need these things. And you know what? We all make mistakes. We all screw up. And, you know, if, if it's your turn to ask for forgiveness, please do so. But if it's your turn to offer forgiveness, that's where that grace comes in. And and one of my coworkers has on his whiteboard in his office right now, he goes, how much grace is too much? And it's kind of a rhetorical question because there is no too much. And during this time, I read that every day I go into his office and it's just so poignant. I look at that. I'm like, okay, point taken. I need to work on this as well. You know, and then. Just having that attitude, we are in this together. We need to link arms as a couple, as a family, and fight together against the enemy and join hands. And then, you know, staying connected, we're going to kind of work on these. This is the next five areas we're going to start talking about, um, you know, offering support, communicate, share activities, problem solve, and address conflict. So let's jump into the first one right now, which is the offering support. So, you know what? When, you're, when your spouse comes home from work, encourage healthy downtime. If they need to take 15, 20, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever it is, just to unwind from the day, encourage that. Encourage them to, to take that time to themselves and just relax and decompress from the day. You know, give extra space if it's needed and and allow them to process through the day and, and before you start asking them a lot of those questions, maybe. Um, and then gently address hibernating or withdrawal. So if you do have someone who um, is pulling away from you, is pulling away and starting to, you know, isolate themselves, 
ask them, you know, gently, just say, you know, hey, I've noticed you're pulling away. Why? What's going on that is causing you to want to pull away? And it may be as simple as, you know what, I don't want to infect you with the disease. So, you know, I want to pull away to myself and get clean first. And that's that extra space and that healthy downtime, maybe. You know what? Touch, hug, and hold. We talked about that physical disconnection with our friends and and those people we used to hang out with all the time. Well, now it's so much more important to have that physical connection with our family and with our spouse. Um, take over some of their chores at home if, if it's available to you. Um, you know, get the kids involved. If they can take over some of the chores that maybe the spouse used to do, if it's cooking or, or cleaning, you know, with all the amount of hours they're working and everything else, you know, just those little gestures can go a long, long way with, with helping them process through their day and everything. Um, assist with disinfection procedures if requested. You know what? Ask them, talk to them about what this virus is to them, what this means to them, and what you can do to help out with this. And then if you see a significant emotional decline, please intervene and get some help. Um, a lot of times you know your spouse better than we do, but I've seen it time and time again where, you know, we, we say I'm fine and, and we, we, we put on that brave face. And I don't know if you've ever seen the commercial for depression and they hold up that smiley face sign as they walk by, you know, that's what we do. So if you see that, you know, please reach out and get some help. There are lots of resources out there and we'll cover those as at the end of this session. So in the next section here with communicate, I want to share a little story that really meant a lot to me with my wife and I, um, I work on a peer support team here, so I've been doing a lot of extra hours going in and checking on our staff, working odd hours, um, all, all different times of the day, graveyard shift, day shift, swing shift, all the different shifts and doing stuff. And I came out of work one day and my wife kind of knew I'd had a rough day because normally I call her during the day, but today I didn't. That day I didn't. And so I get out there and I get in the car and I hand her my cell phone because we listen to audiobooks. And she grabs a cell phone and she sets it down and I kind of looked at her and she says, I don't want to listen to the radio. I don't want to listen to the book. She says, I want to hear from you. And I'm telling you what, that meant a ton to me that day because I had a lot to say. And I just didn't know how to say it, but she opened the door and it allowed me to walk through and it allowed me to process all the stress that I had gone through that day. So, you know, have your spouse open up to you. They don't need to share the, the ugly details of what happened during the day, but if they can, you know, share some of the stress and just help, you can help them process through some of that, you know, that let me into your world so I can support you better. That's exactly what my wife did for me that day, you know, and, and letting them off the hook and say, you know what? Hey, don't try to protect me by not talking to me about work. Because tell them honestly, when they shut you out, how does that make you feel? It makes you feel left out and you're not connected to them, you know, and, and everything. So, and, and just share your heart with me, how you feel. I don't need the gory details, as I said. And then tell them, I'm on your side and we're in this together. That's that whole linking arms and fighting the good fight together. 
some general questions that, that you can ask that can help them maybe spark a conversation, you know, is, is simply asking what's different at work right now. How is it different for you? How does, how do you feel about blank? Be it the COVID, be it the overtime, be it the, all the changes at work, you know, fill in the blank with whatever you've kind of noticed or whatever you think might be going on. Um, what do you think about or how do you deal with, you know, getting, getting their input in how they usually cope and deal with whatever they're going through. And then what would you like from me and, and, or from the children? Get the entire family involved. The, the kids need to be a part of this if you have them and, and everything. And then listen, empathize with them and validate their feelings. Just by simple little statements, man, I can see how that made you feel this way. I understand why you're, you're acting like this or why you're feeling this way. And you know what? Gently point out the positives. Because during a time like this, we tend to really focus on all the stuff that's wrong and negative in the world. And we need to see those positives. So gently point those out to us. And then, honestly, seriously, please protect your together time. Um, turn the TVs off for a period of time every day or you know, frequently during the week. And do some fun activities with the family, indoors or outdoors. You know, if it's going for a walk, go for a walk. If it's playing board games, play board games. You know, and okay, if you have a Nintendo Wii or one of those and you play on the TV, that's fine. Just as long as you get the family involved. It's, it's doing things together. Um, share the household chores and other duties. Um, establish routines. It's essential to have a routine, especially during this time of unknown and and. You know, now we have to develop some new routines and maybe even some new traditions. You know, maybe by, you know, doing some of these fun activities, you're going to develop just a family time that you just really start to enjoy and it becomes a new tradition for you. And if you have kids in the family, make some time for just the two of you. You know, whether you, you know, have let the kids watch a movie or if you have family that can watch the kids or something to that effect, make some time just for the two of you that you can invest in each other and then also have those times with the entire family together. And then problem solving. Take time to talk about situations you're facing. Your spouse is going through a lot inside the facility and you need to understand what they're going through. But on the same turn, you're going through a lot of stuff at home as my wife said earlier in this with her quote, you know, I have to understand that she is under a lot of stress with me going into a facility and being around offenders who are positive for COVID-19. You know, that's a concern for her. So I have to really understand where she's coming from. And then how can we best deal with whatever this situation is, whatever we're going through at this very moment? and tackle the problems one at a time. Take those baby steps and brainstorm for solutions. Pick the best solution and apply it. You know, work this out together. And if the first solution doesn't work, start going on, move on to the next one and try that one. And keep going until you get to a solution that works for the specific problem that, that, you're, gonna, that you're working on at this moment. 
And then to address some conflict, remember, emotionally maxed out equals more likely to snap. So when we're going through a whole lot of stuff at work and you're going through a whole lot of stuff at home, are we emotionally maxed out? Yes, we are. So that's the time when we are really likely to kind of snap at each other and be snappy. And I've caught myself being snappy with my wife. I've caught myself being snappy with my coworkers. And I don't like it. I don't want it. And I go and I apologize. And, and that's what we want to do is, is listen for the story behind the news. In other words, they might be saying one thing. But what are they really saying? What's in the background? What are you hearing? What are you seeing in their body language that tells you there's more to this story? I used to love Paul Harvey with the rest of the story. You know, get the rest of the story from your from your spouse, both of you. Um, think through it before you, or think it through before you respond, excuse me. Um, you know, when we stop that knee-jerk reaction to snap an answer out there and we stop, breathe, count to 10, then respond, then we can do that, you know, that showing the understanding through validating responses and really listening. And then, you know, coming up with those win-win solutions. Remember, you're in this together. It's not me against you. It's me and you against blank. It's me and you against COVID. It's me and you against whatever it is, the stress, the, the turmoil right now. Don't fight with each other. Fight together against the common enemy. And Honestly, if you're going through it and you're really just really maxed out and you don't feel like you can have a calm discussion, you know what? Have that safe time. Have that safe word and just say, okay, I, I need to stop right now. I need to back off. I need to have some time so I can get settled down. And then pick a time to come back together and join hands and fight the true enemy. So moving into the next section, we're going to talk about managing anxiety. And that kind of leads us to the first quote here. And you may recognize the name on this quote as Thomas Delosier. He is the husband of Jean Cecile. And, you know, he says, what happened? My wife's department announced that many personnel could work from home. I thought, great, she will be safe. Then the department had to have a training class delivered and she had to go into work. I was upset and very worried about bringing people in off the street for the training. He didn't know. Do these people have, have they been exposed to the virus and now my wife's going to get exposed? So they came up with a solution together and he says, this is how I dealt with it. I set up a decontamination area at our home. She had to strip in the laundry room before she came into the house and go right to the shower. At that time, I was very scared for her and us, and I want you to really listen to that statement. I was scared for her and us. And I'm sure that's how a lot of you are feeling toward your spouse who is working in a facility. You're scared for them and you're also scared for you. And that's okay. But you know, and he moves on and says, it made me wonder, was the job worth it? Nobody's life is worth a job in my opinion. So it brings me to a saying, Work to live, don't live to work. The job is the job, but work together and come up with a solution that works for you. And I am so proud of Tom and Cecile for coming up with a solution that worked for them 
and has allowed them to work together against the common enemy. And you too can do that. So with that, I will turn it over to Cecile. Thanks, Jeff. Um, yeah, I've been in the unique position uh, throughout my entire career in corrections, um, pretty much through my entire marriage, actually. I was thinking about that today. There's only been two years of my marriage that uh, corrections wasn't involved in it. So my husband and I both worked in corrections uh, for a number of years. About five of those we worked in the same facility. So that creates some unique challenges, but it also allowed for us to have that understanding of what each other is going through. And COVID was something that we've never ran into before. And it was very challenging added to that, um, as I'm sure there's a lot of people out there right now um, with health that is compromised. You know, now there's that heightened awareness of just how impactful bringing home, I may not be sick, but if I bring it home and my husband gets sick, then I feel like I've been the one to hurt him and I would never ever want to do that. So we're talking about managing anxiety and that comes in a lot of forms. Uh, I'm sure all of you with COVID having been pretty much the topic in our daily conversations for the last three, three and a half months at least, We've, if we have children around, I'm sure we've had conversations with them, but we need to keep those conversations ongoing. Um, children adapt very quickly, so it seems like this is their new normal, but there's still probably some anxiety there that maybe we need to sit down and have those conversations again or have a discussion around, you know, how are you feeling now? It's kind of like it's normal that maybe mom is at home and dad's at work or dad's at home and mom's at work. Um, those kind of things need to be continued to talk about to help your children uh, manage their anxieties and keep it age appropriate, of course. But children are so smart. They pick up things that we don't even understand that we're demonstrating to them. Um, let them know that, you know, maybe mom is going to be changing in the laundry room when she gets home. It was a little weird uh, when I go into the institution. I'm always reminded my husband does an awesome job of setting up the decon area but uh yeah it's it's not how i would like to come home but at least then i feel like i'm doing something to contribute and he is as well and that's that teamwork approach that has helped us get through a lot of this um explain to your children why that parent is still going to work and in the last few weeks we've seen a lot of attention on law enforcement as a profession um a lot of negative coming out in the media, uh, which is going to be affecting our kids too. I have adult children and I even have those conversations with my adult children. Um, they have concerns about me going into the institution. So it's not just the small children, it's your children, your family, your extended family, the people that love and care about you. Make sure you're continuing to have those conversations, whether you're the one going into the institution or you're the one that's there at home, uh, managing things while they're gone. Um, instill respect and admiration for the parents' work role. Uh, you don't, as Bre as Jeff said earlier, um, don't need to get into all the gory details, but you can share, you know, kind of the socially positive impact that um, your corrections worker has. I mean, we do a job that 
not many other people can do, uh, not many other people want to do, but we need to ensure that our family understands why it's necessary that they're going into work and describe how you're taking care of things. Um, extended family may be worried because they don't understand institutions, how they work, um, how that transmission of the disease could happen. If they're hearing about the huge numbers in some states of uh, inmates being infected, uh, staff being infected, now in their worst, worst case scenario in their head, they're believing that that's what their loved one is facing. So make sure as a team that you're communicating that out. And let them know why it's so important. Make sure that everybody stays safe. That's the most important thing, is letting them know that what you're doing is keeping everybody safe. So when you're talking about your own anxieties, and this is where, you know, conversations with my husband were really important early on um, about that physical closeness. Hey, I love you. I'm glad to see you, but I'm not going to hug you until I've changed, had a shower, you know, kind of got through the process. Um, we both fear our loved one getting sick, whether it's me bringing it home to him or him seeing me go into the institution. Um, that fear is going to be there. That's legitimate. Have conversations about it. Don't push it down because while corrections, corrections officers are always tough and they can handle everything, or I'm a, a correctional spouse and I don't want to add to their load. No, you need to talk about that fear and share it. Um, you need to understand that both of you are going to have that inner turmoil about them going to work. It's a reality that, you know, we signed up for a job that's 24-7, 365, in all circumstances. Communication is your biggest ally. Make sure you're communicating to each other. Think about exactly what you're worrying about. And having those conversations will help. But if you're processing at home and feel that anxiety when they're leaving, think about it. What exactly are you worried about happening? And how likely is it to ha actually happen? Um, social media has us all in a, in a state of misunderstanding pretty much on a daily basis. Um, COVID is an epidemic. No, it's just uh, over-publicized. Oh, well, it's only old people getting sick. No, it's everybody's dying. Do your research, do your fact checking, and really what can you do about it? Take those measures that you can do. And that's what we talk a lot about uh, through corrections, uh, work with um, whether it's Corrections Fatigue or True Grit, any of our programs, it's all about what the individual can do to manage their circumstance. And that's about managing your own anxieties. Other people can't fix them for you, but you can process and you can work on that piece yourself face and deal with the situation don't avoid it avoidance is you know a really awesome thing I, I tend to subscribe to it a little too often I'm you know kind of ostrichy stick my head in the sand and avoid it but this is the situation that you really shouldn't because this is your whole family being affected um, whether it's the person going to work or the person staying at home you've got to face it 
Um, prepare for the likely negative outcomes. So if someone does get sick, the one at home, the one at work, what are you going to do? How are you going to handle that? Who's going to take care of the children? Who's going to take care of the sick one? Have some of those things in place. You'll be amazed how much just problem solving those ideas will reduce your own stress level. And anxiety is something that sadly uh, seems to be a big part of corrections work, but also managing it is something that is a skill that we can develop over time. So follow the steps to reduce the risk of infection. There you go. Do the steps. Follow the guidelines. Use your access to information through the internet. Um, keep your social media contact to a minimum. Um, it tends to stress me out. I've gotten to the point where, okay, I'm limiting to a specific amount of time just because there seems to be information overload at times. But just slowing down, taking a deep breath one day at a time, one hour at a time. Don't let yourself, let, I call it letting my squirrels run wild. So it's like I have some little squirrels in my head. <laughs> and uh, at work, we actually all have, within my department, we all have little stuffed squirrels on our desk to remind us um, to stay on task. Um, it was a gift I brought back for everybody from a holiday. But uh, I call it letting my squirrels run wild. Don't let that happen because... If your thoughts are running wild, if they're going here and there, you're going to feel out of control. And when you feel out of control, that's when your anxiety is really going to climb. Avoid imagining worst-case scenarios. I'm the type of person that it's always plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. You know, I've, I've gone into the double letters, you know, with my planning. I get a little carried away. Don't look at a worst-case scenario. You can see it as a possibility, but don't dwell on it. And make sure that you're finding ways um, of engaging in self-calming activities. Uh, Jeff talked a little bit earlier about some of those. And those are things that we can do to help ourselves. Again, empowering ourselves through breathing exercises. Uh, something as simple as Breathe in for the count of four, hold for the count of four. Breathe out for the count of four, wait for the count of four, and start the cycle again. Uh, for anyone having an anxiety attack, if you do this in through your nose and out through your mouth, um, if you feel like you're really overwhelmed, it's amazing how well this works. I've used it with uh, when I worked at the county facility, used it quite often with people who were having anxiety attacks their first night in jail. And just got them to breathe with me, and it was amazing how quickly they could calm themselves. Um, just breathing deeply. Take a deep breath in. And just kind of let the oxygen re-energize you, and then let it out in a controlled manner. Taking that control over your physical body helps you take control over your mental uh, situation. Uh, speaking of physical, get moving. Um, get out, get outside, get some sunshine, walk in the rain if that's what you enjoy doing. Just do something to get you moving. Uh, physical activity and all the responses, chemical responses within your body are awesome, awesome uh, ways to fight that anxiety. And then controlling yourself through 
self-talk. This too shall pass. Um, one day at a time. One step at a time. Uh, the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Find whatever works for you and use that in those very stressful moments. And if you have a spiritual connection, practice those spiritual uh, traditions. If you pray or um, meditate, anything that connects you to on a, on a deeper level takes you out of the moment, will help you um, avoid your own anxieties taking you over. And Jeff had talked earlier about those comforting routines, about making new routines with the family, um, with each other. If you have a routine, as crazy as it sounds, having a nice warm shower is the best way for me to calm myself down. Water is magical, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> that is a comforting routine to me. Or listening to music on the way to work. I don't listen to any news. It's straight music, music that I enjoy. That's a comforting routine for me. And it helps me get me, get me prepared for that transition time and that move into work mode. Focus on pleasant experiences. Remembering things that when your mind starts, starts spinning, grab onto one of those wonderful experiences, maybe a great vacation or uh, somebody told you a really wonderful uh, experience they had, something that's going to keep you in the positive and focused on that. Grab onto that until you can kind of get yourself back on center and move forward. Uh, humor and laughter, of course, are the best medicine. Um, corrections tends to be a little dark humor, so watch for that. Um, don't get caught up in that cycle of uh, really black humor. And uh, I've been guilty of it myself and had to be conscious of it and make some adjustments. Um, focus on soothing memories and imagery. Uh, you've seen the uh, commercials that, that they have now where it's take 30 seconds and just breathe. Or they show a, a beautiful forest or a beautiful waterway. Um, those are things that people connect to on a deeper level and can help calm them. Um, same thing with music. A lot of people rely on music. I had a coworker who told me his best way of dealing with the stress of the job was he learned to take the long, long way home from work and he listened to music. It, wasn't, it was not what people would think of as normally calming music, but for him, it was very calming. It was a good routine and it helped him transition from work to home and arrive at home with a positive mindset. I mentioned earlier about making sure that you're re avoiding too much media or news coverage, uh, especially recently with uh, all the rioting. Um, that's caused a lot of people anxiety. There's a lot of upheaval, especially in larger centers. People are very, very nervous uh, about the changes that are going to be coming. How much of that can you really impact? How much of that is within your direct personal control? Um, be aware of what's going on in your world, absolutely, but don't get caught up in watching endless coverage because that tends to increase our anxiety 
and it's not going to do anybody any benefit at home. If you're going to do something positive with that energy, absolutely go do it. Get physical, go for a walk, go out and be one of those peaceful protesters if that's what you feel you need. But don't get caught up in the negative. Um, that's going to just impact you in a way that's not going to be beneficial at all. Um, look around at what's going well. Um, my husband and I often have these conversations um, just randomly. You know, one of us will be complaining about something like, really? You're that upset? Well, think about the people that don't have a house to live in or don't have food or don't have, you know, and we start listening all, listing all the things that we have going for us and all the things that we should be thankful for because we do tend to forget about those. We're always looking at what we want to do next or what is coming next for us. And as Katerina mentioned, allow yourself to experience your emotion in doses. Uh, we talked about this in our last webinar where we've got all these emotions. Don't stuff them. Don't deny them. Don't let them take over your life. But you need to process them and let them come out in small doses. Um, if you need to have a cry, go have a cry. Um, and get back on track and move forward. Sometimes that's all you need is just that release of emotion. Uh, just don't get caught up in that downward spiral of this is all going to be this way forever and ever. Find positive meaning and purpose in your situation, uh, which can be a challenge today, but maybe you can reach out to people in your neighborhood or people in your community or in your church, um, helping them overcome some of the challenges other people are facing. When you help people through their own problems, you tend to forget about your own. And sometimes it puts in perspective what are how great our problems really are thank you cecile beautiful thank you so last but not least let's talk about embracing self-care and um we're saying here that's an essential item on the list then it's not selfish it's you're not being selfish we're not being selfish by taking care of ourselves because very simply, if we don't, we won't be around for very long to be taking care of anybody else. So to making, making me time to refuel, the importance of that cannot be overstated. I, my image always in my head is like if I want to be running around all over town, giving people rides, um, people that don't have a car maybe, and uh, if I don't stop at the gas station once in a while when my tank gets empty, I'm not going to be able to continue giving people rights for very long. So um, we have to make time to refuel. And it starts with the basics, the very, very basic, which is a good quality sleep and enough of it. Most people need about eight um, hours a night, seven to eight hours a night. So um, then alone time. I don't know about you. I do need alone time. Introverts tend to and extroverts don't as much. but um, we all need to have some time to relax, to kind of gather our wits about us, process what's going on, think about it, reflect on things, not just react or keep going with activities, but sit back and take a look at the big picture and see where are we at, what's happening really. And the whole thing of contemplating and meditating about things, like let them roll around your mind, in your head, like what 
what what's really bothering me here? What's going on there? What do I need to do there? What am I missing? Um, and making time to refuel by spending time with loved ones, family, friends, your community, even if it's remote. I mean, my goodness, Zoom has become the word of 2020. So um, a lot of people have been connecting through this venue. So um, and make time for hobbies, things you enjoy doing, things you love doing, things that you can calm yourself down by doing. Um, Re-engage, don't ignore them. Like maybe it's gardening, maybe it's, um, I don't know, drawing, whatever it might be. And good self-care also is about good nutrition. And so it's not garbage in, garbage out. So it's it's health in, health out. And the physical activity, Jeff talked about that before. And, and, and Cecile, just keep our bodies moving because really we are not created to be stationary. We need to be moving and feeling and connecting even with the ground underneath our feet and burning off some of the adrenaline and, and avoiding substance misuse and whatever that may be the substance sit back and reflect and think about what's really behind it what's driving it and what other ways do you have to meet the need that the substance is trying to meet but really not in a legitimate way it's a counterfeit way but legitimately what can you do to deal with anxiety with loneliness with um sadness what else can you do to really deal with it instead of having another donut or another drink of alcohol or whatever another cigarette so um self-care involves that too and then the big balance between giving and receiving it's so easy to fall in one category especially into the giving one and not be receiving which means you end up lopsided and uh, out of balance so make sure that you identify what's important to you at this time and that you meet that need you get some of that important stuff at least some of the time maybe not all the time we don't all get what we want all the time, I don't think. But um, at least some of the time, you get that, whatever it might be. And you feel like, okay, I made a deposit in my bank account emotionally, so to speak. And um, if people around you can give you what you need and it's legitimate for you to ask it of them, ask for what you need. Don't just let them try to read your mind. They cannot do that, really. So... Um, Ask for what you need, state it, and ask it in a decent, polite, assertive way, like this is what you need. Maybe a hug at some point. And, and identify your limits. What, when are you maxed out? When do you need to say no? Or later? Or whatever it might be that you need to set as a limit. It's okay. It's not selfish. It's really, it makes for better functioning and You've heard probably the saying that good fences make good neighbors. That's about setting limits and boundaries. And sometimes we need to do that. Otherwise, we end up all over the place and then we end up resentful and, and we pull away and we shut down and it hurts relationships. So this is the, obviously the basics of self-care, very much the basics, but it takes almost like a lifetime to work out some of those mindsets and skill sets. So it's easy to say it in a minute or less but it's a lot more work to have it put to practice in your life and one thing i want to say is that we in this webinar we present a lot of how to's 
suggestions, ideas, um, areas to focus on. And not all of it will apply to everybody. And if you take one or two things from what we have listed here and you start putting it to practice, like what you're thankful for per day, or uh, asking questions, open-ended questions of your loved one, like how are you feeling today, what's going on? Um, if you start practicing one or two, you'll be ahead of the game. And then maybe later you pick up another one or two that you start working on. So don't expect that you're gonna be totally transformed and do everything like a new person. No, start small, one step at a time, one new behavior at a time. So now let's talk a little bit about resources to reach out to and tap into. And uh, through your spouse's work, probably have access to employee assistance programs, uh, providers that are available for a number of sessions, um, behavioral health providers. Uh, at no charge, and I'd say tap into that. If, if you need to talk, you need some additional tools, more in-depth, of course, um, more specific to the time we live in, or maybe the anxieties of this day and age have kicked up old stuff for you, and all of a sudden you have to deal with some old stuff that you have forgotten all about, and this may be the time. Or you may go to some behavioral health provider in your community is probably covered by your spouse's health insurance plan. Other folks may turn to spiritual leaders uh, like pastors, chaplains, priests, um, or activities or communities. There may be all kinds of spiritual communities people um, tap into and find solace and strength through. And there are zillions of self-help groups, uh, either community-based, which probably in a lot of places you cannot attend at this point because they're not open, but online, you'd be amazed how many self-help groups exist online that you can do from the comfort of your home. And then hotlines, all kinds of support lines and crisis hotlines. For example, there is a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline where they have, um, I believe it's behavioral health providers 24-7 on the phone and also through chat at 800-273-8255 and um, always there to talk. And then we have a couple of numbers for first responders and their family members also. Safe call down to 06-459-3020 and Servant Protect, which provides chaplain services to first responders, 615-373-8020. And Desert Lotus has a correction Ventline email service, Ventline at DesertLotus.com, and we soon will have a, a phone line that is for text only. So um, breaking the isolation, breaking the loneliness, breaking the disconnection is going to be key to your sense of well-being, I believe, in, in a lot of cases. And uh, on Desert Lotus, we also have some additional um, resources, which are some booklets, um, and I'll go through the booklets first. You can see them on our site at desertforest.com under products and under books. And um, staying well and more staying well have to do with obviously health and wellness and some family issues. And the home, when home becomes a housing unit that has a lot on family issues. It's a terrific little book. 
passing it along, volumes one and two are about um, work and home, life issues written by correctional staff and um, across the, the globe, really. And then the process and corrections work is um, an item that has to do with assessing the workday for your spouse, partner who works in corrections, more geared to them, and also their self-care. And you can subscribe at no charge to our monthly uh, electronic magazine, The Correctional Oasis, on our site again under eZine. And we have all kinds of fun, inspirational posters. And um, these are all resources that you can get and share and discuss with your loved one. So in conclusion, coming to the end of all this, the point is that we need to be very consciously, deliberately, intentionally working towards supporting our loved one who's going through some truly extreme situations. And also the children that are picking up on so much and they must be totally overwhelmed sometimes, not understanding why adults are behaving the way they have been, how things have changed. Managing anxiety, your own and your loved ones, and how to take care of yourself to maintain the basics of self-care so you can continue functioning to be supportive and to manage, manage anxiety and to help others. Because if we don't care for ourselves, we cannot really do those other things. The caring for self is foundational. We build on that. So um, as we come to the end of our presentation here today, we want to thank you for supporting your loved one works in corrections, be it um, in the institutions or probation or parole. And we do want you to, and wish you to stay well and safe. And, uh, and we'll look at questions and answers now. And we want to thank you for um, joining us. So let's see if we have some questions and answers. So we do have one question submitted thus far um, and it says, I like slide 18 about how to talk to your kids. Is there anything not to discuss? Oh, good question. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have some thoughts, but anybody else has a thought before I share anything? Well, for me, um, with the facility I work at and the clientele I work with, um, I work with a lot of sex offenders so me i would not share any details um I, I i read graphic details that are very disturbing in nature and i would not pass those along to my kids um any graphic violence any graphic anything of a really graphic nature that could really increase a child's anxiety rather than decrease the child's anxiety that's what i would focus on is you know saying hey yes where i go work is dangerous where I go work, but I'm making a positive difference in, in many people's lives, you know, so kind of trying to explain a little bit about what you do, but try your best not to increase their anxiety by oversharing too much of the graphicness or the, the really detailed stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah. I would just say that uh, it might depend on the age of the children. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously if they're younger, they're not going to be able to understand as much as maybe an older child. So um, that plays a big part in it. I agree with Jeff. Um, graphics 
uh, details, not necessary. Um, but if they're old enough to ask questions, they're old enough to get an honest answer. I think um, some active listening in that conversation would be really critical. Uh, so asking them, what do you, what do you imagine? What do you think? And um, kind of correcting any misconceptions they have, and that'll give you more of an idea as to where their um, comfortability or understanding level is. Um, mm -hmm. Right. I, I found with my family over the years, I started working in corrections when my children were teenagers. Should have started a lot earlier. I probably would have had better teenagers. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, would, I had the opportunity to take uh, some of my family members in for tours, and that really opened up conversations. But until they understood what it looked like, what it felt like, I really had to go off of, okay, what do you think it is? And ask those kind of questions and help that guide your conversation. Yeah. That is right on because the child may be asking one question because they don't know how to express some things and they may be really concerned about something else. Again, the story behind the news. What are you really concerned about here? And 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 without putting them on the spot, like, okay, I'm trying to understand what you're saying here, what you're asking is this, what, what is it about that you are concerned? And as far as what not to discuss with the children, as far as the, the virus, COVID-19 is concerned, I would say not give them hopeless statements like, oh, this is basically too big for anybody to deal with or the med medical profession will never figure out how to help people. Not to say anything that is hopeless and will scare them, like this is larger than life. And to um, to point out the positives for them, like, okay, we're making progress in that area, we're learning about this in that area, we are improving in that area, and, and kind of help them from, keep them from having a meltdown internally, thinking that for sure my parent who goes to prison or whatever, probation, whatever, is going to die. Um, yeah, don't, don't put that virus on the pedestal. Like they need to bow down before it. Like no, um, like yeah, we need to be very careful, very cautious, but don't scare. Them. Specifically about the COVID piece, but I love and pulling things out of them because you may find that they are really more concerned about something totally. Like, can my dog get it? You know that kind of thing. Um, and they were not concerned about what you thought they were concerned about. So active listening. That, that was a good question. Any Anybody else? And I, I would love if, okay, if, now that we have our captive audience here, if anybody wants to say, okay, in the future, if we had more of those events as this webinar, what topic would you like to hear about as a topic for, for a teaching a presentation, a webinar? What topic? Is anybody wanting like to give you like a minute to um, send us a, any kind of input? Or, or if you don't, can't think of any now, go get on our website under about and then says contact us and send us a little email about what would you like to learn more about? Because we really appreciate the spouses and the families bearing the brunt of a lot of the corrections work and you guys are the silent heroes because you're totally behind you know closed doors so to speak and 
you bear the brunt of a lot of this work and um, you can you have the stories to tell so we want to see how can one be more supportive of the families um, especially adult family members um, of corrections employees of all types not just custody all types programs everything so if you have any ideas down the road if you don't have them right now please send them to us on our website you can also um, maybe send them to us through Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. I didn't think of that. You're right. You're right. So we wanted to see how can we be relevant? How can we stay in touch? What would help? Was this helpful? Uh, in the future, probably we'll have some kind of evaluation at the end. If it was helpful, not helpful, boring, whatever. Okay. We want the honest feedback. Yeah. Because we're only going to get better and give, be able to give you what you need if you tell us. We're here actively listening to yeah. what you need. Yes. <laughs> yes, because we are all learning as we go. This is something we've never been through before. And so we are in this together. <laughs> Going on. <laughs>